the first one was good. The second one I think is at least as good in my mind, if not maybe a little bit better. Um, the story sucks. Uh, I think <laughs> I hate to say that, but like, me. I mean, <laughs> Hello and welcome to Another Dead Pixel, a podcast about games, entertainment, life, a little bit of everything in between. I'm your host, Joe, and with me, the man who loves to start campfires big enough to see from space, Nick. How are you doing, Nick? Doing good. Um, the key to any good campfire is setting a tree on fire, especially if it's very dry in the area. Um like out west is a great place to to do it from and then uh if the tree is a bunch is among a forest of other very dry trees especially if there's a lot of broken tree branches and broken whole trees laying down around the area that nobody ever uh wants to clean up that is a really good way to create a forest Sorry, I mean a campfire that you can see from space. I was going to say because um, yeah, I was I knew you had visited Ontario not that long ago, so I just figured it had to be your handiwork. I just couldn't remember if you were a fan of gasoline or kerosene. So, well, kerosene will get the job done, but gasoline explodes. So, uh, it yeah. looks cooler. Like uh, like David Bowie, I like to put out fires with gasoline. All right. Well, how have you been, man? Good. Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing okay. Um, oh, I had, uh, I ate a movie theater hot dog um, a little over a week ago, almost two weeks ago. And then I had uh, food poisoning for a full week and uh, through the 4th of July and on my birthday a little bit and it was not pleasant. Um, I never threw up, but I wanted to. Um, and I didn't really eat very much for about a week. Uh, but uh, then it, it slowly, slowly got better. And um, yeah, so the movie was good. The hot dog was okay, was, was okay but it was not something that I should have eaten. All right, so what did, so what movie did you do? decide to devour this hot dog while watching uh i went and watched the new spider-man across the spider-verse and it i know this is not like the what, what, what we've been watching section but um it was super good uh if you like spider-man at all and you saw the first one if you haven't seen the first one you need to see that and then if you have seen the first one then this one i dare say is even better because they don't have to do as many introductions. They do have some introductions for some of the new story that they're throwing out there, but it was really good. It was really action packed and hilarious and funny while it was doing action. Um, and it's, it's uh, got a good wholesome family message. Um, <laughs> really, really good movie. It has like a 90 something percent on rotten tomatoes. And I was like, Oh, okay. I guess it's good, but I went and saw it and I was like, okay, I see. I see now. This is a really freaking good movie. Yeah, I really like the uh the, the first one. So, uh eventually when it comes to whatever streaming platform, I'll watch it then. 
Uh, but yeah, as when you're talking about eating the hot dog, if for some reason you said, yeah, and a week ago, and I was thinking there was the old joke about uh, George Lucas when he was remastering the um, the Star Wars movies, uh, mm-hmm. the original trilogy, and re- bringing and updating them for CG and stuff like that to the theater and oh. doing his edits, oh. uh, rewriting history. And someone someone said something like, um, he uh, Lucas once ate a hot or no, it was once ate a sandwich, and uh, for the for the last thirty years or whatever, he's been consistently uh, eating condiments, trying to make that sandwich perfect. Oh yeah. At, yeah, I see I see the point. Yeah, that is uh yeah, George Lucas is um man is uh I I kind of think those early movies I th- I kind of think he had a lot of help. Um I don't want to talk all about, about all about this, but but I th- kind of think he had a lot of help and he was never really um he had some great ideas and didn't know what he was doing. And he was just humble enough and desperate enough and broke enough that he had to finally, that he had to, they had, that he had to listen to people. I mean, like famously, like, like star Wars, like the first star Wars, uh, his wife cried whenever they were screening it for the first time. Uh, like it was supposed to be complete and they were like, well, we're going to watch all of it, you know, and before we give it to the studio or whatever. And she cried because it was so bad. She, it was just horrible. And she was like, okay. So she went into the editing room and she fixed it. And it's like, okay, that's a cool story. But when you start hearing about that and then you start putting two and two together on like the remasters of the, of the Star Wars movies and Han shot first and then episode one and episode two and the CG and continually it's like there's it's a really good youtube video there's got there's a really good youtube video there of like hey george lucas might actually suck really bad at everything <laughs> and the well, big i mean anyway i mean was it isn't the whole i just remember growing up being like you know it's just uh it's his take on uh kurosawa's hidden fortress so mm. that's kind of what i was always you know led to believe and he did like, borrow yeah, I from- totally see the similarities and you know like a lot of good movies uh there were some sort of you know take on like kurosawa film or something like that you had uh like the good the bad the ugly or um fistful of dollars fistful of dollars less yojimbo yeah um yeah I, so i, I mean I, so that I th- was always a classic i, I think that what might have happened is george lucas had a lot of good ideas and he was very good at what he did but he had a ton of help and then he forgot how much help he had, you know, from like, what was it like, is it like 86 whenever, whenever Return of the Jedi comes out? And then from 86 to 99 is, is basically, let's say 86 to, you know, 90, 96, something like that. Whenever they start making episode one, that's 10 full years of time to forget, you know, how much help that you actually needed I don't know. I've, I'm a conspiracy theorist, but I just, I just look at the travesty that Star Wars is, and I'm kind of like, how, like, what the hell happened? Uh, and I, I think I could patch some things together. Anyway, how are you, so, Joe? Are you, are, so is, I was gonna say, so Jar Jar's uh, Sith Lord. Is that what you're saying? Conspiracy theorist and all. There is definitely, there is definitely a couple of very interesting pieces of evidence that suggest that 
Jar Jar Binks is more insidious than than at first. You know, the the first than at first looks. Insidious was someone else, I believe. More insidious. It's a <laughs> stupid names of Star Wars things. Um, yeah. So <laughs> it's like I just like, if you I just up... like the uh, the common theory that they the the toy rights went. Uh, they forgot to renew it, uh, the whatever company had them, and so because they went back up, went back to Lucas. He then, shortly after he got the rights back, he then made the new uh, episodes one, two, and three. Because uh, like, you know now he gets to, he gets a better deal because the original deal he actually it actually really sucked for him. He's so he's a shrewd, he's a kind of a shrewd moron. I mean, he's definitely. I don't, and I shouldn't say that, but. Like like uh, Kathleen Kennedy, he put her in charge of uh, of uh, the of Lucasfilm right as Disney was about to buy it. Like what? Like the like literally like the month before Disney was going to buy it. So the it's done deal, all that stuff. He put Kathleen Kennedy in charge and stepped down. And so Disney was like, "Hey man, when you do something like that." The fans that that you're telling the fans these are my wishes going forward, and so you put us Disney in a very hard position where we cannot now put in who we want. You know, we can't like we can't actually like we can't actually you, you know do this the way that we want to do it because you've sort of poisoned the well with the fans by doing that, and so they're like. Okay, so I think it almost cost a deal, but but it ended up going through, and and Kathleen Kennedy is just like his little goblin there to carry out his wishes, and lo and behold, uh, after episode nine comes out, we understand there was no plan, there was no plan, and Kathleen Kennedy was there to just ensure that the George Lucas no plan was there to be just taken to full fruition <sighs> yeah but i was gonna say there there's more i don't know if that's a that's a debate for a different time whether or not which uh whether or not the uh one through three or uh was it uh seven eight nine uh which ones are the better trilogy the, the original trilogy of course everyone will stand by uh, yeah original original trilogy not well, remastered original trilogy well episode two is verifiably the the, the the worst. I mean, it's it is, it, it is pretty much unassailably the worst. Nine, I think eight's pretty bad though. Eight's bad. Eight's bad. And I I think eight I, eight's probably my worst, my least of the new trilogy. Dude, as much as as much as I hate eight, I think nine is. Uh, parts of nine are are just war- like the end of nine is just is so so horrible it's like we're trying to save this and you just can't save it there's parts of nine where it's like okay like the stuff with um with carrie russell's character with the chick that never takes off the mask like that was kind of interesting and there's some other stuff that's sort of interesting it's nine is kind of ghoulish and there's a bunch of problems with nine eight i can definitely see i think that the worst trilogy is seven eight and nine because it's a one-two punch of eight and nine um and I think episode one has a lot of strong points. I think episode one is 80%, 70% is 
70% of a good movie. And I think episode three is like, I don't know. It's, it's like 50% a good movie. Um, and I think that eight and nine are just, are just garbage, but it just depends on how much you hate too. It depends on how much you hate too. I think that's the linchpin. And seven yeah, really see, is, I, seven's I worse. The same way, the thing is, I feel about uh, two, you know, essentially uh, two and three, or I feel the same way as you do about eight and nine as well, though. I, I agree with you with eight and nine, but at the same time, I just, uh, you need episode one. The the big takeaway is, you know, once if you, because they're targeting the PG crowd, you know, all the kids. Um, yeah, the jailbreak the young, of the animals. That, I think that's the problem: is they're just targeting too many uh, children, and therefore they toned it down. They made it more goofy. You know, there was always some humor in it, like silly humor, uh, and you kind of lean into it. You know, uh, and things become canon because you don't fix it, like stormtrooper hitting his head, you know, in the doorway. Okay, that's now that's official thing, and it's silly. Well, now let's just amp it up and make these droids literally talking one-liners. Uh, I don't know. It's like, but you have the foundation to what would be the later series. That's it's there. Uh, I'd say 70% good movies, probably right. I would probably say 60, uh, just because of any time he's he has to fly that whole ladder battle. I'm like, this that there's there's so much wrong, but oh, the dark kid, droid. Uh, you mean, uh, yeah. you mean, uh, Anakin, Anakin take, yeah. yeah, like destroying the, yeah, I mean. Yeah, it's the, the the thing is that like episode, you know, like a New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, they were not for kids. They were, you know, they were like cool and adventurous and stuff like that, but they were not for like little kids. It wasn't until after episode, you know, uh, until after Empire that they were like, "Hey, we're selling a lot of toys here, so if we kind of gear some of the Return of the Jedi." with like Ewoks and stuff to be more for kids, we can actually make a, like a lot more money. And that was sort of the beginning of the end to me is like the Ewoks, not that return of the Jedi is bad or anything like that, but like that is definitely them going like, Hey, we can make a lot of money if we just kind of corrupt the vision a little bit. And then you see it kind of get worse and worse. Like you're putting oh, yeah. out mascot character for sure. Uh, yeah. But no, with, uh, if you ever get a chance to read Darth and droids, uh, it's a, uh, they take the still shots from uh, Star Wars and they start from episode one and they make it uh, as if it's a DM uh, doing a Star Wars campaign to two guys who know nothing about Star Wars. Star Wars like doesn't exist to them. And so it's them, it's uh, screenshots of Obi-Wan and Anakin, or not Obi-Wan and Anakin, but Obi-Wan and uh, Qui-Gon talking and they're literally going over their weapon sheets like, it's like, wait a minute, we're in a space campaign and we don't have blasters, like laser weapons. Like we have swords. Like, you know, it's like, shut up. If you keep on talking bad, the DM's probably going to take it, take our uh, laser swords away, you know? And it's just like them going in, like just continuing, you know, like pointing out the obvious flaws of the movie. Be like, yeah, wait, we landed with the drop troops on one side of the planet. We went through the planet to get to the other side. And yet by the time we get to the capital, it's already being sieged. How is that possible when we all arrived together and we went the fastest route? Yeah, yeah. Um, and one of like one of the characters, he has to baby like he has to babysit his sister, 
And so she's like, the DM's like, okay, well, uh, do you want to make a character? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to make a um, this, this, uh, this guy with a long horsey face and big rabbit ears. And he's like, okay, I got you. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just, uh, it, it, it's a really good uh, webcomic. Uh, Darth and Droids, give it a shot. They also have a Lord of the Rings version called DM of the Ring. Uh, super awesome. Uh, give those a shot. Uh, you'll just waste a lot of time on the internet. But, I mean, we already do that enough as is anyway, so why not enjoy your time? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely uh, something... Uh, I, I took a peek at it one time. I haven't taken the time to read it, though. But, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, sorry, man. You just got me talking about Star Wars, and I just have I just have opinions, man. <laughs> you really do. Uh, but to answer your question before, how am I doing? Uh, <laughs> uh could be better could be worse i mean uh just before this uh we started recording uh we had a uh some uh tornado warnings going off so the air raid sirens are blaring uh but luckily the storm has passed uh i have my power uh about 600 people around me though do not <laughs> so yeah i don't think it went i don't think one actually touched down but it was like allegedly 40 to 50 mile an hour winds so um you know our our grid system isn't much better than yours uh <laughs> I think we just have a slightly better track record for getting it back up quicker. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think you guys are more prepared for your extremes. Uh, yeah. Well, was... yeah, we do, we do got four proper seasons. So yeah, your help. summer's pretty weak from what I hear. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> and our winter's weak, uh, but like, but like when it just like drops to freaking, you know, eight degrees, uh, I know it's nothing for you guys, but like, Texas grid just is not built. It's not built for that. So I don't know. King of the Hill, man. I just love the episode. They're having the barbecue in the, in the beginning. And he's like, Hey mom, there's a volcano nearby. Look, there's ash. And she's like, that's not ash. It's snow. <laughs> and they just go into full panic mode. Yeah. That's and about like... right. There's like, you know, when no one can drive, people do drive, which is insane whenever there's ice on the roads and it's nobody's prepared for it. But not me. I get prepared. I'm going to buy some food. Anyway. Um. All right. Yeah, just remember, in a, in a crisis situation, especially when you're worried about power going out, uh, maybe milk, bread, and eggs aren't the first things you should buy because those all require refrigeration. Uh, but yeah, those are always the first things people end up purchasing because somebody dumb buys milk, bread, and eggs, and then everyone else sees them like, oh, wait, they're buying it? I should buy that too. And then those are like the first things to fly off the shelves. It's just um, like I just like canned food, MREs, if you can get them off of Amazon in time or something like that. That's that's the way to go. Just stuff that you can make with just open a can and, and eat it if you have to. But, you know, that's – prepping is a, is a cool – is a cool thing. I wish I had more time and money to get into. Uh, Beans and bullets, I, I, man. I, yeah, you get the you get the um the surplus of bucket or pre made buckets for food, and be like, this bucket holds all your food for a whole week, uh, or, and then it also doubles as your waste pail. Uh, <laughs> I have actually thought about uh, buying like they do sell like buckets of food that will last you twenty five years, and it's like. Okay, I don't. I, I you can spend a lot on that. I don't think I would spend all that much, but having like one bucket that will that will last you a full week of food is uh, it's that's uh, that seems like it would be uh, a, a bit comforting. It would be a bit comforting. It's like I can just put this in my truck and just drive and get out of like the hellish, 
you know, post-apocalyptic hellscape that, I know I said hell twice, but the hellscape that Austin will turn into if uh, the power goes out for more than a couple of days. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, just, it's one of those things that you just got to remember to cycle out those um, uh, your, uh, your rations or else you next thing you know, like, yeah, I got these rations. I'm like, oh, man, these expired like a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing is, too, is like, is it really that food really going to last 25 years? I know it's like sealed and shit, but like, what if they fuck up? <laughs> yeah, just get just get just do the Costco canned goods. You know, you got your spam beans, you know, uh, corn and stuff like that, and just cycle through that once. You know, like a a couple pallets. You know, every year. Yeah. You know, so that's that's all you need to do. And like, you can easily burn up. You know, those throughout. You know, a couple months. First in, you know, first so out. That's, that's, I mean, I've lived in plenty of places where power going out was actually a regular thing. So, yeah, cooking. Sp- Bam! Under candlelight, you know, uh, for Christmas, that was uh, a very bad decision on my part because then I realized, well, oh, yeah, this this candle now my spam just tastes of wax. <laughs> oh, that's so sad, uh, Joe. Your life sucks. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, living in Guam, man. Uh, you know, power outages all the time, uh, and that just happened to be typhoon season was Christmas. So, uh, yeah, uh, so I prep a lot. Uh, not as bad as others, but I have a minor prep plan. You know, you get, you have your, your, your important things all ready to go in a file and you just know that, all right, when, like, if anything happens in case of emergency or, and it actually helps when you're like, Hey, um, a family member is hurt or something like that. You're like, okay, I have all the files right here, like Mm. real organized, real sweet. That is Um, the best thing that I could probably, that's like the best tiny piece of advice I could give as an adult is all of your important papers, have them in a perfectly organized binder and file in a very cool, dry, warm, dry, cool, dry place and uh, never like put them away and never touch them. And the way you know exactly where they are when you absolutely need them. Yeah. If you want to just um, the, anything else that's important to you, uh, photos and stuff like that, just double uh, like, you know, have that stored on a USB. Um you might want to have backups of all your important documents on USB, but you make sure you have physical copies God, because uh, chances copies. are in a case of emergency, you can't find a printer. Uh, but at least yeah. in case of, you know, something else happens, at least you eventually will have access to all those documents. Yeah. To me, so. it's about the hospital. It's like, you're like, can just go grab the crap and go straight to the hospital and go, here you go, make copies yep. or whatever. Anyway. All right. Uh, well, now that the prepping portion's done, uh, yeah. <laughs> now to the actual news. So what do you got for us, Nick? Uh, so Bit Summit is going on in Japan right now. This is an indie summit. Uh, this, this is basically Japanese indie games. Um, this was uh, today, uh, July the 14th, 2023, I believe was the first day. So there's going to be several days of it. So there's, um, uh, there's probably going to be more coming out. So there's not too much right now. Um, I saw an article kind of talking about some of the games that they thought were interesting. And of those, um, I think they had like six. And of those, I thought about three were pretty interesting. One is called Paper Trail. It's a trailer shown for the Switch about two months ago. Um, looks interesting. It uh, You kind of peel the page of the screen. Like the screen is a page and you peel the page over. And the other side will allow you to traverse better like it shows you like on a dock where you need to get to the other side and you don't have a way 
So what you can do is peel the page and then there's a dock on the other side of the page and then you can connect and then go across and then release it and it goes you and it takes you to another other page or whatever. So um, that looks pretty cool. The cool art style seems like it's going to be fairly low key. Don't know how how uh, how complex it's going to get, but it looks looks pretty cool. Um, two others, uh, Fishbowl. Uh, didn't see any gameplay of this. Just saw some screenshots. It's good. It's about the pandemic. It's about being kind of locked, locked up and alone in the pandemic. Um, it's a it's a reedy game. Not really a dewy game. A lot of reading. Looks like some sort of RPG. Um, art style looks all right. Uh, and there's another game called uh, Hebereke Two. The first one was an NES platformer. Uh, that the uh, writer of the article said was uh, very good. I'd never heard of this game, but um, anyway, uh, they're making another one, uh, literally like 40 years later. Um, has an interesting art style, but uh, the picture I did, I did see had a little disclaimer in the bottom saying that the actual game is not quite that detailed. So I was like, well, I don't really know what I'm really looking at here then. Um, but it's some kind of platformer seems like it might be kind of interesting, but, uh, yeah, so that's a bit summit going on right now. Um, probably a few more interesting games are going to come out of that. All right. Uh, yeah, it's, so uh, essentially this always takes place in Kyoto and it was always a really neat thing. Cause it's, it's still fairly new in the grand scheme of, uh, these kind of events. Yeah. So this is where, you know, this is all about indie games uh, for Japan, most, uh, you know, in particular. And it, Japan's was kind of late to the game with the whole indie scene, uh, you know, and so it was really fun to see how this has evolved over the last, like, seven years. I think it's may, may, it might be longer than that, but I've only been following it since then. And, yeah, they always have, uh, it's kind of getting better and better, but, you know, with the last couple of years with uh, the pandemic, things kind of, you know, like every like all the other events kind of stopped and just kind of went a little weird. So I'm kind of curious to see what's happening with this one. Uh, but yeah, thanks. I completely forgot that this was happening this weekend. So when you're like, you're pulling this up, I'm like, oh, okay, that's that's really neat to know. And that way it gives us something a little more to follow. And hopefully we'll uh, follow up with the rest of the uh, key features come uh, next podcast. I'm glad I could remind you. Um, all right. What else you got, bro? Yeah, so um, this is kind of breaking news. Uh, I saw this uh, about two hours ago. Um, Kotaku is reporting that, uh, I guess I'll start with a little bit of backstory. So yesterday or the day before, past couple days, uh, the FTC filed to uh, have a court pause the Microsoft-Activision merger uh, they've been trying to, to, to fight it essentially. And, um, a lot of the things that they've been trying to do have, have failed apparently. So they were attempting a last ditch effort to just get the court to pause it so they could review some more, some kind of stalling tactic and to try to get it through the court that they appealed to deny that. Um, and, um, so now the deal, there's nothing to stop the deal from going through, um, I think, at, uh, on Monday or something like, something like that, or, or, or I guess as of tonight or something. Um, I'm not sure exactly when they 
are going to try to have it be a done deal. But I did read in the article that that um, the 18th, which is Tuesday, um, if the deal did not go through by the 18th, that Activision would be able to make a lot of money off of uh, Microsoft uh, because of uh, the the contract stipulates that if the deal doesn't go through, then then Microsoft has to pay has to pay them a bunch of money. If the deal doesn't doesn't go through by go through by the 18th, and Microsoft has to pay them a bunch of money for the failed deal, wasting time with them and all that stuff is just contract stuff. But so um, I think Microsoft really wanted this to happen for a lot of reasons, but you know, that being kind of icing on the cake, cherry on top to not have to pay Activision a bunch of extra money uh, if it, if it failed. Um, So apparently there's nothing to stop the deal from going through in the United States right now, which uh, I would imagine that the United States, uh, that the deal going through here in the U.S. is um, is the main thing that they would want. Uh, I think this is probably the biggest um, the biggest market worldwide, and especially for Xbox, it has probably got to be the biggest market. Um, and so, yeah, so uh, it's been a long it's been a long time coming. I figured it would it would get rammed through um, eventually. I didn't think this case was really strong enough to keep uh, this from happening, but I didn't know for sure. And it seems like now it is finally, uh, we are finally going to have our uh, Microsoft Activision overlords. Well, I mean, I think what's been really fascinating is due to all the correspondence and things that they had in this uh, throughout the events, uh, you're, you get a lot of inside information that you normally wouldn't get. That's true. Uh, through some of the paperwork and stuff, they've talked about how uh, apparently, the, there's uh, the the fabled rumor of uh, PlayStation Slim coming out uh, or in the works. Uh, and there's still potentially a uh, PlayStation Five Pro uh, that's could be on the table. Uh, and you know, they've it was just really interesting to see like a number of subscriptions, uh, just a lot of that stuff as it kind of came out. Of, you know, and in the end, it just kind of boils down to. Uh, Call of Duty, I think, is the most important thing uh, about all, all of this. Essentially, just boils down to Call of Duty. Yeah, this and, is the big money maker. Yeah, but the way Microsoft sets themselves up as you know, uh, games as a service, and the idea of being able to play on, they want they're more of a software side. You know, it, yeah, they want you to buy their hardware, but they would rather have you just buy their games or subscribe to their service in one form or another. So, I think. Uh, it's still best for them to have people, you know, but even if it's on a PlayStation, play their games. And with the with the exclusion of some certain, you know, major ones, uh, Starfield and whatnot, but Call of Duty, you know, they'll make a lot of money off of battle passes, off of uh, skins, and that, you know, so like, they're just, there's no reason why they wouldn't uh, let PlayStation 5 or let Sony in general. Uh, have access to Call of Duty because it's going to still bring in a lot of money for them. Yeah, that is true. Um, I sorry. Um, did it? Did um, the uh, Game Pass? It was said to have a price hike, right? Has that happened? Uh, not yet. Uh, but I did get the email in uh, in my uh, inbox saying that hey, we're upping Game Pass. So it's so it's yeah, coming. Right. 
Okay. Yep, it's coming. So the, the, only, the only reason I mentioned that is because, like, I mean, they're already, you know, hiking Game Pass even before the Activision deal has actually happened, which, you know, that could be because they know it's going to happen or it could be because they need to do it anyway. But, but you know, now that the Activision deal looks like it's almost certainly going to happen, you're, you know, you... I think this was crucial to Xbox's business plan. They really need big, heavy hitters um, to create games for them uh, so that they can put them on Game Pass and basically charge, you know, like whatever they want. Like, because if you could get, I mean, if you can get Starfield on Game Pass, if you can get whatever the new Call of Duty and whatever other, you know, games Blizzard is making, if you can get all that on Game Pass, then, you know, they can charge, you know, what are they like at 15 right now for the the premium, uh, the, the like the extra special Ultimate, Game Pass? Yeah. Ultimate? Uh, I mean, but if you think about it, it's the same model as any subscription service, whether it be, you know, Amazon with Prime, that's been steadily going up. You have the same thing it's, with Netflix it's, constantly going up. It's you know, not really what I mean, so. though. Like, like it's it's like, yeah, it's going to go up. But with big heavy hitters making big games for them, it can go up faster and more often for at least a little while. Like if you bring in, you know, Call of Duty and it's the only place that you can really play it or it's the best place to play it or, or whatever, then, you know, you're talking about being able to uh, legitimately hike that price up to $25, maybe $30. And even people like me would be, be would be like, you know, there's a lot of value here. Um, I may not have it on every month, but uh, I definitely would turn it on for the big new releases and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, if you have like if you have it on for two months, then you've basically basically paid for you basically paid sixty bucks. You know, that's not quite what new games cost, but. If you have it on for three months, then you've paid more than whatever game you were likely looking to pay for. And you got all this extra value and there's a lot of people who would keep it on. And so I can, I can just see that I can just see this being a big part of their of their overall plan. And um, I just wonder how much they're going to, you know, um, leverage Game Pass and leverage these game companies uh, making games for them to uh peel off of some of uh sony's market i, See, I don't think dominance. they're gonna end up going that exorbitant uh they have the power to but the, if they put they if they increase it too much the backlash sure, will yeah. eventually come and it's gonna hurt their uh gamers first uh image what doesn't you mean they do, won't you try want to make it well that's the thing is they 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 tried all last generation to finally correct the mistakes that they made at launch you know and then so they finally got that goodwill back um and they're sitting much better in my opinion than uh sony is in a lot of ways and so you don't necessarily want to squander that goodwill or you know and ruin your brand uh by you know making things too expensive yes increasing the price is acceptable especially or for most people especially um during you know these times and with the recession and everything like that, you can make those arguments. Uh, but the, what they probably want to do more is get Game Pass to try to cut a deal and like, hey, they, they've it's been rumored for a long time or the idea of having Game Pass on Switch. Uh, 
being able to access that entire library. And then all you have to do is subscribe. Uh, you know, that would be huge. Uh, the amount of switches out there, you know, the amount of people who are like, well, I was thinking about it, but you know, like, or then they like, well, I have a PC that's, you know, not maybe not as great for gaming, uh, but I have a switch so I can, and I'd prefer to play it on there. I mean, I think it'd be a massive, you know, deal. And then when you, if you could probably, you know, the idea of getting it on a Sony platform is more of a pipe dream in my opinion. Uh, but once again, if you can get Call of Duty and get the battle passes only through the system and maybe not go through the PlayStation Marketplace, but through Activision's you know web browser, that means any uh, subscription stuff or any DLC, that's all that, that revenue is going straight to Microsoft instead of having to cut through, um, you know, Sony's, you know, give Sony a share. So I can see that being the way they do it. I'm like, yeah, we have to cut you in a little bit on the, the cover charge, but everything else is in-house. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think I just kind of wonder how much Microsoft is going to be hands off with their with their studios. Um, it seems like they've been pretty hands off with the with the Bethesda studios. Um, maybe maybe yeah, for but, may, but they just they just recently talked you know especially after um, uh, Redfall. They're like maybe we should not be so hands off. That's kind of what like, I was going to say. Is like is like you know for better or worse. Uh, they've been hands off and it's like, okay, that I, I, I would, I would rather have an, a, you know, a red fall every once in a while. Um, and not that I really even like Bethesda games very much at all, but I'd rather have a red fall every once in a while. If it meant that Bethesda could still, you know, do what they do best, which is, you know, kind of make, kind of like janky games that push the envelope in some ways rather than like a picture perfect EA game that is completely boring and doesn't do anything um, interesting really at all. Um, Activision, I'm pretty sure that they will leave. If it were me, I I would definitely leave Activision alone. I'd be like, y'all do whatever you want. You know, it's, it's working just, you know, don't screw up, but it, do whatever you want. There's so much there that you can easily help leave certain departments alone. Like you guys know how to do the Call of Duty, you know, butter churn. So just do keep on doing that. But maybe with some of these other things, that's where they're going to cut off and be like, hey, we'll make this game exclusive. And we'll, we'll maybe, you know, hold these closer to the chest. You know, I can see them doing a little bit of both. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's just, you know, I it's one of the things that, yeah, you don't want a, uh, you know, a monopoly. You don't want to, you know, a few big companies owning all the other, you know, medium to large size companies as well. Uh, but if you buy a bunch of small, it's, it's just, them going to be kind of arguing back and forth and like, okay, well, if I can't get the big company, I'm going to buy up all these small ones. And then the other side being like, well, I'm going to buy up all these other small ones. And it just becomes the same darn thing anyways. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, over time, I, I do think that Microsoft is probably going to erode those studios. I could be wrong, but what tends to happen to me is corporate just very slowly through one email after another over a decade just molds those companies to be what they want them to be. And yeah, everything starts to run together. Everything starts to like look exactly the same um but you know it, it just it, it just depends I, I would think it would go that way and i kind of i kind of wonder if microsoft is really just trying to buy 
like buy the power, buy the good game design instead of like doing the work that they need to can go back to doing like, cause they've, you know, made good games, um, you know, in the 360 generation, especially the, the original Xbox as well. Um, they made a lot of really great games. Um, and I just, I, I just, uh, I, I just don't know. I, it just feels, it feels weird to me. I, I, f- I feel like they, they're trying to buy stuff that they're not really willing to work uh, to, to attain again. But I don't know. I could be wrong. All right. Well, we'll see how that plays out later on. Uh, so also on the uh, more or less breaking news earlier today, um, Major Nelson uh, of Microsoft fame, uh, I believe his role is like senior director of communications or something like or corporate communications. And he's uh, he's decided to uh, step down or, he's, you know, in the tweet, he said he's st- stepping back, going to uh, start the next chapter of his career. Uh, the dude's like 65. He's been with uh, during the uh, early, you know, I'm not sure about the original Xbox so much, but I always know him as the poster boy for uh, 360, all the press conferences, all the major hype uh, reveals and stuff like that. He was always there. Um, and he was there for the interviews uh, when Xbox One came out and they were like, it's going to always be online and it's going to be this, that, the other thing. He's, just, you know, people were giving him guff, be like, can't you just not make it online all the time? And can't you, uh, he's like, you know, and then him he, having to defend his company, be like, it's not that easy to do. And then like the next week being like, they announced, yep, we're, uh, we're not making this always online anymore. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, he's been through the good and the bad. And, uh, but no, he was always, uh, a very charismatic figure and uh, he's, uh, he's now, you know, going on to something better, uh, preferably, or at least, you know, just maybe even retirement. Uh, doesn't really say what he what he's talking about with uh, the next step of his career, but uh, yeah, just a uh, shout out to Major Nelson. Uh, he's been with us for a long time, and you know, uh, happy futures. And the only other part of news was uh, that the uh, this is a little bit older, uh, but Evo. Uh, oh yeah, the big yeah the big gaming tur- uh, you know fighting tournament uh, this year is going to be held in August uh, August fourth. Okay. Through the sixth, uh, so Street Fighter uh, six had the uh, the most like most entries of ever <laughs> in a uh, for an Evo registry, over seven thousand people registered, uh, seven thousand sixty one I believe was the final count, and uh, that alone is like almost double the entire number of it was like last year. Last year had just over like like ninety one hundred um, registers for the entire tournament of last year. So, uh, Street Fighter came in at 7K. Uh, let's see, we had the second highest was Guilty Gear Strive. Uh, almost 2,500 people registered for that. Then you got Tekken at 15. Uh, and uh, was it uh, Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3 uh, at 13. Uh, the other ones that are listed as the main headliners, you got Dragon Ball Z Fighters, uh, King of Fighters 15, uh, Melty Blood type, uh, Lumina and Mortal Kombat 11 Ultimate. So those are going to be the eight uh, mainstays. There's going to be, of course, the side tournaments and stuff like that. But, I mean, it's kind of crazy to see how Street Fighter has really taken off. I mean, Street Fighter's always been a, a tentpole. Uh, but this new one, yeah. I think still being so new, 
uh, well, and just really clicks with everyone in a lot of ways. They seem to have gotten this one a lot of things right. Yeah, so I remember when Street Fighter Five was coming out, or at least hearing about um, it on Giant Bomb. Maybe it was actually a couple of years later, but they talked about Street Fighter Five a lot, um, saying like that it was a it, it was a, a a bit of a fiasco whenever it, it it launched. There was a lot of problems. There was a lot of incomplete stuff. Um, I have been playing a little bit of Street Fighter Six, uh, just kind of practicing around. I'm not bold enough to go online yet, but uh, just kind of practicing around and finding the, the computer just a bit. And um, it is it is a really good game, you know. Uh, but it's it's popular straight out the gate. It has uh, really high reviews on Steam. It's sold uh, gangbusters really, really fast. So it's uh, I'm sure it's not a perfect launch, but it's a really good launch um, for uh, this the biggest fighting game that there's going to be, you know. Um, so so they have that, you know, going for them over Street Fighter V, which, you know, eventually did become or, you know, had a slow start to becoming the the uh, the p- most popular um, fighting game of that generation and street fighter six seems to like have done everything right. So, so they're, so, you know, it, it's, it's a good, it's, it's a good, uh, it's a good look, you know, they took their time, they got things outright. Um, it seems like everybody is on board for the, uh, the DLC rollout. DLC is not too insanely expensive. I think their, their new character, um, is uh Rashid, I think, and he's gonna be coming out at the end of July and he's gonna be like five dollars. So, so people are wondering, yeah, that's the big question is whether or not, uh, chances are he'll be banned from the tournament because he'd be so new that he won't be properly balanced, yeah. Uh, certainly. so that that was uh, one of the questions that popped up, but uh, I would kind of like to see him in just because it, it'd be. You know, just long, just only the hardcore players would really get a kind of get a grip, and just to see people kind of break the meta, maybe. Yeah, you, know, you could or, maybe do that as or like he a might really suck, and exhibition. it'd be kind of funny to watch. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you could you could do an exhibition, you know, like Rashid versus Rashid, and and then you know he might he'll he won't be weak, he'll be overpowered. But if you could do like you could do some kind of ex- exhibition where people are both allowed to pick him or whatever, and. You could just see what happens. That would be that'd be fun. But, but yeah, um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a good thing. It's a it's a cool, it's a it's a cool game. I'm I'm enjoying playing it. The the little bit that I have been able to, um, and uh, yeah, I'm gonna try to remember to uh, to dial into Evo. I'll be on vacation a bit, but I try to remember to dial into Evo um, and watch that this year because I always I always miss it, but. But I want to try to watch this here. All right. Well, uh, that's it for the news this time around. Uh, and now, what you've been playing, Nick? I'm about thirty plus hours into Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Um, I have beaten so the game. Not to spoil really anything, but the game uh, after you finish the first area, it presents to you four um things four major things to go investigate and i have investigated three of those things and heading for the fourth um 
Uh, I know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything particularly groundbreaking here today. Um, it's a really good game. Uh, I played I think 25 or 30 hours of Breath of the Wild. I kind of just wandered around that game to be honest. Um, I did a lot of of uh, the shrines. And I discovered a lot of stuff, but I didn't really beat like any bosses or really anything like that. Um, so I I don't know how much is of that is the game's fault versus my fault. I do feel like Tears of the Kingdom does a much better job of directing you, but also I kind of am like, is that my fault or the game's fault? Because like with this one, as soon as I got out into the open world like the true open world, I was like, okay, I'm going to just, I'm not going to do the Breath of the Wild thing where I just wander around. I'm going to try to achieve the objectives that the game sets before me. Um, and I've done that, but I've also, every once in a while, you know, scampered off and done some some side quests and stuff like that, some small stuff. Um, and that's been pretty satisfying. Um, I, I think that you know, my shitty opinion is that Breath of the Wild is probably a a 7 or an 8 out of 10. I know that you, you rated about a 6, I think you said before. I don't think that that is, I don't think that that is fair, but I do think that it makes, that there are parts of Breath of the Wild where it does make sense to rate it that low. Um, I think that people giving Breath of the Wild like nines and tens was they were prisoners of the moment and they loved Zelda and it was a really good game and it was very different and groundbreaking, but it was just not really, it, it was just, you know, three quarter baked. I think it looked nice. It had the Nintendo polish, but a lot of that stuff was just new and it just looked like it was polished. Tears of the Kingdom to me fixes all of the things that I didn't like about Breath of the Wild. Um, it, it gives you uh, a more solid a more solid gameplay loop. Uh, you're not just wandering around. It's directing you. Um there are things that are annoying about it, but they're pretty few and far between. Um, it is, it it is a uh, it, it, the it keeps surprising me with new uh, mechanics and new puzzles. Um, speaking of the puzzles, the shrines are much better. I think they are not really hard, but they're not like ridiculously boring and like oversimplified like some of the ones in in uh, breath of the wild were um yeah man like i i get i would give tears of the kingdom i'm gonna keep playing it i still have a ways to go but i you know it's also so much more expansive like going like the verticality going up into the sky and then also down into the depths um and the different problems that they present you know with with each one um it, it is a it is a really good game. Uh, right now, I'm I'm giving it a tentative nine out of ten. 
I think that it could be a 10. I just need to get to the, I just need to get through like the, the main, the main game. But, um, man, it is, it's one of those games. Like I was going to play like, like last, I haven't got to play like really any of this, this past week, but last weekend I played a good chunk. And, um, on Saturday I started like in the afternoon, I think it was about two o'clock and uh, I was like, I'm going to play for a couple hours. So I did I played for two hours and I like, and then no, I played like for like four hours and I, like, and, then, and then I ate dinner and watched the show. And then I was like, I'm going to play a little bit more. And then I wanted to go to bed at like 10. I just ended up staying up till like 12, 12 o'clock uh, just playing just a ton of that game. Like I played like 10 hours of that game uh, that day. And just because I was like, just a little bit more. Okay. I'm just going to go over here. I'm going to do this one little extra thing and then set up for the next session, you know? And then it was just, it's just, it's just a game that just time just melts. It just melts off of your brain and you can just sink totally into it. Um, anyway, so I'm probably going to talk about it again at some point, but, uh, oh man, it's a, it's a good game. It is definitely, uh, on this podcast a while ago, I was angry that Nintendo was charging $70 for it. Um, but yeah, it's, pr- it's probably worth, it's probably worth that. I think it's probably worth 70 bucks. Anyway. Yeah. I think a lot of people would agree with you. Uh, it's one of those things that uh, I'm glad it fixed a lot of issues that you had with it. Uh, I've seen some gameplay here and there and it looks awesome. Uh, I'm not going to touch it. But then again, I kind of gave up on the Switch. Uh, I I, I want to like the Switch. I just never get around to it. And if I have the option to play, because I I don't travel in a in a means where like I can play it while traveling, um, it doesn't really suit my lifestyle. And it's just a neat thing. Uh, I think it's I'm going to get more use out of it in the near future um, because I'm I'm Mario at that RPG. I'm at that point where I'm going to start like introducing my kid into games and. I'm like, all right. Well, we're gonna go ahead and, uh, you know, Mario Kart. You know, all the add, all the you know, aids you can have. You know, it's like, all right, my kid should be able to, you know, have fun with it while still, you know, having, you know, like, uh, at least making it to the end and without getting frustrated. So I think I'm gonna start doing stuff like that. I'm like, that's where it's gonna really shine for me. I think in the near future, uh, it's just, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just all the things I've. I've tried getting into it like I was doing Advanced Wars for a little bit and I just for some there's just something about it that I'm just not playing with it as much as I would say on my phone. I mean, I actually use probably Game Pass on my on my actual phone more than I do the Switch. You do a lot. Uh, and yeah. It's not the best experience, but it's, you know, I don't know, it's just more convenient for me. It's uh less cumbersome uh that and I just I just do not like the feel of um I, I need to get new switch uh, joy cons or grips is what I need to do. Uh, Cause I think that's the thing is just holding the, uh, I don't care about playing it docked as much uh, just cause I'd rather, you know, I'd just rather hold it, but the grip isn't good and I should just probably upgrade into a proper case. Yeah. I, um, I think that like, I think that there's just something different about switch games, basically Nintendo proper games that you either really like that style or you don't. Um, and I think it's, it's just, it's just not for you, at least not right now. Um, well, I, I've, I've, I've convinced myself when I was going through breath of wild, like, yep, I'm just, 
I'm no longer the um, the Legend of Zelda fan I used to be. Yeah, and that's just like and, you know that's like that is that just my life had changed, and I'm like, all right, well that's that's a sobering moment. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you uh, kind yeah, of and then grew you know, up a little a bit, die inside. Yeah, yeah. I mean, then it's like all the Mario games are kind of like, yeah, they're they're neat, but they're not as I don't know. I don't get the joy out of them. Uh, that I do from other adventures, uh, games, and other you know from other companies. Uh, so that's kind of my my thought is it's like I'm I prefer a better plot, a bigger story, and also good gameplay. But I feel that uh, while if I ha- if I could just mess around with the world, Breath of the Wild was amazing, and I everything I've seen from Tears of the Kingdom, uh, yeah, that's they've learned they've learned to improve upon just the jank or not necessarily jank, but like how much you can truly mess with the world and have fun. I'm like, that's awesome. I mean, it reminds, it reminds me of those days where I used to just play GTA three and just cause as much mayhem and carnage, no real point of it just to see what you can do. And it's just like, yeah, that's awesome. I don't have that time anymore. I think one of the most interesting things about tears of the kingdom is from my perspective, it, it lets you cheat. It lets you break its puzzles and and tools within within certain certain ways, um, and it's like you kind of feel like you're getting away with something, um, but I think that they want you to do that at least sometimes. Like there's definitely things that I've kind of broken where I went into an area that I wasn't really supposed to, and I ended up having to go back at one point. But other things where I've been able to break a puzzle. Um, by climbing and sneaking around and activating some weird thing and um, and being like, did I do something wrong? But then like kind of realizing that the game just sort of corrects itself and just goes on. And it's like, you know, we don't really, we don't really care that you, that you glued together like 50 logs to cross this bridge when we wanted you to actually build a flying machine and go across it. Like, like that way, like, if you wanted to do it that way, okay, buddy, you know, that's, that's cool. Um, I don't know. something like something about that is, is very, it was, is interesting. I, I also think that like the people at Nintendo, the developers, they looked at breath of the wild and they were like, they just made it. They just were, they just thought about breath of the wild as a platform. And they were like, what if we stacked all this other stuff on top of breath of the wild to fix it. And that's kind of scary because usually that doesn't work usually, but I guess when you have as good of a, of a, of a base as breath of the breath of the wild really is, because the base is fine. It just needs some tweaking and some added adding on. And I think that that's what they did and it worked out really well. But anyway, so I'll, I'm going to try to play some more of this. Um, I got a bunch of games. I'm starting to try to line up, like last time we we talked, uh, we were talking about the, the Nintendo Direct and some of the new games coming out. And I'm just looking at my calendar, and I think Pikmin Four is going to have to just eat shit. I don't think I'm going to have time for Pikmin Four because um, I'm just looking at the calendar of Final Fantasy 16 and uh, playing Alan Wake at some point, and then how long this game's taking and some other games. And uh, I think if I'm going to play Mario RPG and or the new you know, 2D Mario, Mario Wonder, is that what it's called? Anyway, um, yeah, I'm just, I think Pikmin's going to just lose out. Uh, Star Ocean might lose out too, but 
We'll see. I'm... I I would love to do Star Ocean so much, but that ain't happening. I will. I can see myself dabbling in uh, Mario RPG. Uh, the only thing is, uh, yeah, it's just I since I've already it's one it's one of those things that I would like to you know dabble in it, but since I already have fond memories of the old one, I'm like, yes, it's just I don't know how much heart I would have to actually completing it, just because it's like, well. It seems to be a faithful re- recreation. At least that's what we're led to believe. And so it's like, well, if I already know how this plays out, I've already done everything I could originally. Um, I, it's just more like, hey, oh, this looks really cool, and then put it down and never come back to it. So I'm not sure if I'm actually going to do that. Uh, the new Alan Wake, super stoked for. Uh, yeah, that seems to be like the one. Be super busy. It seems like the one game that you're that you're like, I'm gonna freaking play Alan Wake come hell or high water. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna need to find some time for that for sure. And that's you know that's one of the uh, I like Remedy games uh, just in general. They're they're phenomenal. Uh, they're a lot of fun, and it's one of those like I want to kind of go back to play a few of their other games. Uh, like the only game I hadn't played in their library was Quantum Break because that was on Xbox One, mm. and that's on Game Pass. And I'm like, you know, I it was because that was their weird thing where they're trying to make Xbox One TV oriented as well. So they were coming out with like the Halo show and Quantum Break had like a corresponding TV show that went along with it. The, and it was, it was it in was, the game. They tried right? doing some stuff. What? Like the show was in the game, right? Yeah. So they, they did. They were trying to do some like separate stuff. And yeah, it was just it like, but depending on how you play the game it was supposed to affect the cutscene, I guess, or the, the show to a certain extent, I guess. I don't know. It was one of those things I'm like, man. Xbox is real or Microsoft is really effing up the uh this whole like generation and like I'm just not I'm just not gonna buy it and I didn't so yeah. I went from 360 to uh the series the you know, Xbox series yeah and now I'm trying to you know, I would like to play some of those catalog back catalogs there's only a few games that I really was interested in um and you know Quantum Break I'm interested because of the fact that it's uh you know a remedy game but at the same time it's just like it seems like it might be a little too dated. Uh, so I don't know. I'll see. Uh, yeah. But I would like to go back and play the, I'm still, I actually haven't finished the control DLC for Alan Wake. So I think I got to knock that out too. Um, so yeah, the second, the second piece of DLC, the AWE. Um, Is all so that, that was in the remastered version too? Um, so no controlled uh, had two DLC, DLCs. And so that the second DLC was Alan Wake inspired. Oh, uh, reference. Con- um, Control had a DLC that was Alan Wake inspired because they're the same studio. Company. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, okay. So, and mm. technically, so is uh, Max Payne, but I think Rockstar still owns the rights to that. Okay. So interesting. Yeah, that's why uh, uh, Max Payne one and two are Remedy. Uh, number three is Rockstar, and that's why it has the worst story, in my opinion because um, mm. they just took Man on Fire, uh, the Denzel Washington remake, and, just and they're like, that. we're just going to we're just gonna change it. And like the movie is great, but I'm like, I don't need to play the game that just mimics this pretty much. So yeah, uh, yeah it kind of soured Max Payne, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, all right, man. Uh, I'm glad you got a chance to play a big chunk of it. And uh, once again, it's just, uh, when you finally do complete it 100%, let me know, because uh, I kind of want to know if you bump it up to a 10. A lot of people seem to really absolutely love this one. It's yeah. I, I won't say too much more, but like a 10, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm becoming more in the camp and this, and this goes for anime and, and TV shows and movies too, that, a, that a 10 has got to be like, 
an all-timer. It just really has to be an all-timer. And this, you know, it is stealing a lot. It is it is building a lot on on Breath of the Wild. So it's sort of like, how much do you dock for a lack of innovation? But, you know, that remains to be seen. I'll, I'll let you know. I'll let you know. Okay. All right. Uh, and so uh, what have you been watching, man? Uh, a couple things. Um, Extraction 2, I think I had just finished that last time that we talked or around that time did you ever see extraction um no i don't believe i have uh, do you know anything about it uh nope okay uh so, lay it on me so extraction is a netflix movie uh starring uh chris hemsworth that's the right hemsworth right yeah chris hemsworth yeah, thor thor yeah, yeah thorny man um and uh, the first one was good, um, had some good action. They do a really good job with CG in that and sewing stuff together. Like the action, most of the action is appears to be um, uh, conventional, um, what do you call it, uh, practical effects. But they do a really good job of switching camera angles and turning the camera around and chasing things around um, so that they can, you know, take like this practical effect scene and this practical effect scene, which they did, which they clearly did in two separate takes. And they like make the camera, like they fill it in with CG in between and then stitch it together. So it looks really flowy and like everything's going on like all at the same time and it, there's like no breaks in the action for long stints um so uh the first one was good the second one i think is at least as good in my mind if not maybe a little bit better um the story sucks uh i think <laughs> i hate to say that but like me. i mean <laughs> But like, so you remember like how Die Hard had like a good story, even though it was, you know, an action movie and like how Terminator 2 has like, they're not great, obviously, but there's, there's something there, even through all the stilted acting and the, you know, tough guy dialogue, there's something there. And with these extraction movies, like Chris Hemsworth, he is a consummate professional the man can act and he will act and he will he his his acting is almost like the term is not anachronistic but like it just doesn't fit with the rest of the movie because it's it's better it's like i, I don't even know how to really describe it there's people who are acting around him and they're just not as as good and he is like he's like crying and like doing a really good job acting and you're just like, man, I feel so bad for you because other people in the in and around just don't really seem to be pulling their weight to me. But it's maybe the director. I don't know. But anyway, so like it's it's just I don't know that there's something missing with these Netflix big blockbuster type movies. And I think it's a lot of the finer details that they get the action down, they get you know, the main story beats down, but I think the finer details, they just don't have, they just don't put the budget into that or something. And it just comes out kind of weird, but extraction two, 
it's a good popcorn movie um, to watch. Um, All right, you should watch. Yeah, it. I've I've seen I've seen. Well, I can't because I, I'm not going to pay for Netflix. You and... should watch it without having to pay for Netflix. <laughs> I ended up getting Netflix cut because of um. Yeah, they they now pulled that they pulled that lever. I'm like, yeah, all right. Well, I you know I, I can sign in under my buddy as a guest or like you're traveling. You know, it's just too much work. It's dead to me. Yeah, like... <laughs> there's only a handful of kids shows I was watching anyways, and YouTube got me covered, so I'm good. <laughs> I I pay for my mom to have an account. Um, so like I have I have an account, and then I pay for my mom to have an account. My dad was borrowing a, an account too, but they but uh, they they have plenty of money. So I'm like y'all can freaking deal with it. And they they need to get they need were telling me that they needed to get their own anyway because they have a bunch of properties that they need to put put it in. So anyway, it is what it is. But um. Yeah, I, I would I recommend watching that. Also, about Netflix, I don't talk too much about this. I started to watch The Witcher Season 3, and I fairly quickly bounced off of that because it is sort of dog doo-doo. Um, Witcher Season 1 was very good, and it had a song, Toss a Coin to Your Witcher, uh, that was a daggum good song. Um and uh, that was kind of all the rage on Twitter and around the, the internet for a while. Um, season two did not have a song, but it was pretty good. It did it did well enough. Season three is man. The I just watched the first episode, and it was a lot of stuff happening, and none of it really seemed to mean very much at all to me. Um, uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of actors. There's a lot of, um, you know, supporting actors, supporting roles that they just don't have. I just, that the people are trying, you can tell they're trying. It's just not good. Um, the sets look very steady. They look very much like movie sets and like things that you would build to put people in so you could film them being in them, but they don't really matter. The action is kind of silly. Um, uh, Cersei, not Cersei, Siri, uh, is, she's just a very, you know, small, pretty girl. And it just doesn't make sense for her to be fighting grown men in any kind of like hand to hand combat kind of way. Um, and uh, people people know that uh, that um, uh, Henry Cavill is exiting the show, um, and uh, I, I think that it can. I think the show feels it too. It just Henry Cavill's he's a professional actor and he's doing his job as The Witcher, um, but I feel like there may be some faith lost around the set there in what the show is really going to end up being after that, whenever they get the lesser Hemsworth um, to take over the role in whatever season they're doing. Apparently there's going to be a volume two of this season, which I don't understand what's going on there. Anyway, it's a, it's a show that I will probably not continue to watch because of the uncertain future. And this season just seems, it just doesn't really seem all that great.
I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Never got into them. Uh, it's one of those things that I, I kind of wanted to, but I'm, I realized that, uh, Henry it's... Havel, I don't necessarily like his acting. I like some of the stuff he's in to a certain point, but like as a whole, I'm just not impressed with him as an actor. Um, uh, and I watched sure. like the first couple episodes of Witcher, and I'm just like, nope, it's not grabbing me. But I have a harder time getting into uh, high fantasy late uh, of late, I guess. So it's, more sci-fi instead of fantasy. It's sneaky, tricky to pull off high fantasy um, because you really have to have a lot of practical effects to because if you start faking green screen trees and cabins, it just looks bad. Like all that stuff really kind of needs to be practical. And then you have to put a lot of money into a very select amount of magic or else that also looks very bad. So it's, it's tricky and expensive and I, I, I get why it's, it's not really done very often. All right. Uh, well on that sour note, (laughs) um, yeah, thanks for, uh, this is it for another dead pixel episode 48. Uh, if you made it this far, we really appreciate it. And all right, Nick, uh, what are your words of wisdom today? Um, if you're going to start a campfire on a tree, you can start small because it'll grow. Oh, so uh, part of the uh, the seven P's of uh, preparation there. Okay, roger that. <laughs> yep. Uh, go ahead and uh, look it up later. All right. Well, uh, thanks again, guys. And y'all, until next time, take it easy. Bye.